first vision for it was we wanted to do it for our community. So the first vision was buy-in for indigenous artists, knowing that the quality of the music being made by the artists has appeal not only to like the indigenous community, but also to non-indigenous listeners. So we wanted to be able to kind of have that centrality, and this has happened a few times through our site that I know about, probably other times too, but where artists have connected with one another through the site, so they've discovered each other's music, and then they want to collaborate, or they want to like, you know, just support each other and that. So. That's been awesome. Like, it's really interesting to watch things grow and change, um, like the late to early 2000s, when Aboriginal Voices Radio was going, they were starting to go across the country. I guess they saw me as, as a mover and shaker back then when I was in Edmonton, so they came to me and asked if I would help them get their CRTC license in Edmonton. You know, when Red Man Laughing was turned into a national comedy special for CBC. They were very confused because the first season was all sketches and me doing characters and weird commercials and like comedic monologues. It was a comedy podcast, Red Man Laughing. Then I Don't Know More happened and I had a choice. You know, I had a decision to make about the platform because, yeah, you know, I had um, at that time somewhere around 17,000 people listening to it every week. An unknown native speaker addressing the National Congress of American Indians in the 1960s said, Today, we are again evaluating the changing winds. May we be strong and wise and equal to our people of another day in reading the signs of change accurately and interpreting them wisely. Modern survival techniques requires picking up the new tools of technology, embracing the digital age, and creating a presence upon all cyber, web, and satellite territories. On this episode of Indians on the Airwaves, we hear from RPM-FM webmaster and podcaster Jarrett Martineau, CBC Aboriginal radio podcast producer Kim Wheeler, and webcast podcast mogul and comedian Ryan McMahon, three experts who are claiming cyberspace for Indigenous voices. And I don't know more happened, and I, I just I had to decide if I was going to keep doing um, moose hunting jokes, or if I was going to turn the platform over to the people in a way that was helpful and, and beneficial to not only uh, the people but to myself as well. I mean. To, to have the chance to sit with well you were you were on my podcast in Victoria um, to sit with people like Leanne Simpson or Lee Miracle or or Tayage or, or make the list I mean to to have the chance to learn from 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 these people and to to share their ideas um, I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't turn turn my back to that. It was cool. It's kind of like an organic thing that kind of grew into focus. So there was this company called Make Believe Media who was producing a documentary about Derek Miller, blues musician who you know, uh, who's awesome. Yeah. And they were doing a documentary about Derek. 
and they wanted to do kind of a digital component to go with the documentary. It's a documentary for APTN, TV-based thing about him and his story. And so they were originally talking, they were, the company was talking through various kind of ideas about what would be a good digital accompaniment to the doc. And they brought me on board to kind of help with that process and kind of help them vision what some ideas would look like. And so there were sort of a bunch of things that were in the mix at the time. One was a kind of like a virtual recording studio that people would log on to and kind of sort of maneuver their way around and these various things. And so those conversations ended up being, and this is like, I think for me where it all kind of really clicked into view is I was thinking, well, okay, yes, it's about doc. It's about Derek and it's about this kind of documentary, but in a bigger way, like where is there a place where we can go to find kind of all the cool indigenous music that's being made? So Derek is one among many. A lot of people don't even know about him at that point. Um, how do we even kind of find where their other artists are? And we're like, you know what? We should do a site that's like that we can profile Derek in, but that builds the kind of architecture to then be able to support all the other amazing indigenous artists that are out there. And then that was like clear that that was a real need that we could that we could fill. Um, I would, I've already been pretty familiar with the with the music scene. Um, for you know, I've been in writing for media. And indigenous media since '93, and my entire career has really been focused on bringing positive indigenous stories to the mainstream media. And you know, what's more positive than entertainers making it in their industry, right? So actors, musicians, painters, writers. So those were the kinds of stories that I always covered, um, and still cover to this day. Like I'm still always pushing that entertainment agenda. So I was pretty I was pretty familiar with who the musicians were. I'd been watching and going to um, the Canadian Aboriginal Music Awards. I'd been going to the Aboriginal People's Choice Music Awards. I sat on the board for Aboriginal Music Week. So I was pretty, you know, pretty well um, like very familiar with this with the scene and um, so when CBC asked me to do that podcast, part of it was um, they were in the process of moving from Radio 3, which was a uh, user-generated website. So musicians uploaded their own music, right? And they checked off the boxes that, that Radio 3 could use their music for free, right? So they didn't have to pay SoCan and all that. And when they moved away from... Radio, so they were in the process of moving away from Radio Three and relaunching into CBC Music, um, which was now Music and Stories Online. So we had to, in order to make a weekly podcast, we first, I first, had to build um, build up the Indigenous Music Library. So in the three years that I was doing it, we went from, I think about. About 91 artists to over 300 artists and so I was adding like 50 to 75 new artists a year and that was doing the research online and finding people and this you know looking at the awards and who's submitting and then contacting them personally saying can you upload your music and we'll put you on a podcast and this is our audience and this is how many listeners we get and this is where it goes and 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 it was amazing that all these artists just responded like they were waiting for somebody to ask them 
Because the artists, like our artists, right, the majority of them are independent. And when I say the majority of them, I mean 99.9% of them are not with a music label. So they get funding, they scrimp and save their pennies, they produce a CD, and then they don't know what to do with it. So when somebody comes knocking from, you know, the mighty CBC and says, (laughs) we want to put you on a podcast, right, we want to share your music, they're, you know, they're really happy and thankful and and I'm happy and thankful that CBC gave me a place to be able to do this for for our community. This is Revision Quest with your host, Daryl Dennis. If you are a longtime listener to the show, you know that there are a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes about Aboriginal people. But we pride ourselves on clearing up some of those nagging questions that people might be thinking, but don't have a reliable source to ask. Some of the topics we've covered have even sent our mostly Aboriginal staff scrambling to dig up answers. Let's face it, if even us natives have questions about questions about natives, what chance do the rest of you have? A few of my favorites have been, why are there so many Native Americans in Canada? Was there a lot of immigration back in the day? Or, if you're a girl, and your dad is a chief, does that make you an Indian princess? Or one of the more popular ones from our first season was, is it true that all native people get a free truck? We've tried to answer many of these ponderances, but there always seems to be more questions. So we took an unscientific poll of average Canadians with the promise of answering, everything you wanted to know about aboriginals, but were afraid to ask. So that is something that we that we did. We debated early on about whether or not we would do kind of like an open platform where anybody could just create an account and upload their music. And then we thought, you know, we'll, we're just duplicating stuff that's there already. And especially now, you know, every musician I can think of are on SoundCloud or on Bandcamp or like these different sites that host the music. So they didn't really need another one of those. So we thought, okay, well, maybe like another way we could think about doing this is to have not to try to gatekeep, but more to try to support work that's like really pushing things forward, have kind of like more of an editorial voice that could kind of really bring, um, you know, different artists to the surface and so on. And that's always a conversation for us. So it's sort of about wanting to not only say, okay, well, here's an artist that's really established and has 10 records out and a big record label and can play to thousands of people. We wanted to get you know, the kid in the community who just like did some home recording and put up a couple songs on SoundCloud and we found them and we want to support that music too. So when it comes up where, you know, there's certain, you know, bands are always on the hustle. They're trying to get their music heard. People want to get out on the radio in whatever form it, you know, looks like, including with our site. And, um, yeah, it's, it's often more of a kind of respectful encouragement to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Um, and we haven't had a lot of pushback, I would say, overall on that front. What it's done in a positive way, and I don't know that I necessarily anticipated this, but it's made it, like, people have been very thankful when they do get featured. So that's one thing with our community that I just love so much, is people are so kind of appreciative of the fact that we take the time to promote a new release. Because often we'll do that without 
much sort of discussion with the, the artist. We'll just write something and then we'll send them the link and be like, hey, by the way, we did a post on your record. And they're like, hey, awesome, cool. Hey, everybody, I got featured on RPM, which is, is awesome. That's like what we wanted. So um, I think it's really I think it's really interesting that people are getting you know, because anybody can anybody can make a podcast, right? Anybody can make a radio show now with the Internet. Right. It's that and that is really exciting. However, the content can sometimes be really draining to listen to. And like for me, I can't sit down and listen to an hour and a half long podcast of two people kind of, we have this podcast and isn't it great? And it's like, okay, but you know, I would just want to go to them and say, I think what you guys are doing is great. Now let's just focus it. So you can actually build a really strong following. And they just, you know, people who are doing that really should pay attention to what the real successful podcasts are doing. And, um, you know, frame, I guess, follow what, you know, what their success is. And, And I know that, you know, as Indigenous people, we're like, you know, the will say things like, well, that's the colonial way, this is our way. And it's like, well, that might be, but sometimes we can't always reinvent the wheel, right? What works, works. It works for a reason. And if you want to try and retrain an entire audience, right, <laughs> that, you know, for generations has listened to, to radio in this way, right, and or podcasts, Sometimes when you look back on that digital footprint, you're kind of going like, oh, boy. Oh, it's out there now. <laughs> yeah, you should, have, you, should have, you should have thought about that a, a little bit more. So that's the danger of, of working digital is um, sometimes you, you, you make mistakes. Sometimes you think something's good and it wasn't quite as good as you thought. And um, So it's a, you, you learn. Yeah, well, I think um, I try to edit as little as possible, um, and I don't. Uh, I tend not to go into um, uh, interviews or conversations with people with with any paper. I do all the research before I think about really critically what I would like to try to achieve, uh, where I start from, and where I where I where I'd like to end at with a guest but at the end of the day I feel like um yeah I feel like uh I I want to leave the conversation as organic and as whole as I can yeah there's some times where I'll listen back and I'll be fumbling for words or something won't come out quite clearly and I'll never go back and re-record it but I will I will cut some um some of those little bits out but for the most part what you hear on our on on red man laughing specifically is um is uh un, uncut and, and unedited i know that when we were doing um aboriginals because i had my own facebook page right and i could see where the likes were coming from they were coming from like europe right? australia new zealand and I was going, whoa, that's so trippy that they would, you know, like the page and they'd be way over here. And where are these people coming from that, you know, how do they hear about this? Because it's, you know, it's just a little music podcast. But it's really interesting because, you know, like if you make friends, you, you know, the, I guess, I guess, you know, like the musicians make friends with people. They travel around. So like, you know, people like Digging Roots or 
going to Australia usually like once a year, right? And we're friends with them. I'm friends with them. So if they, you know, if they're on their Facebook page and they see me tag them on the show that I'm working on, then they go, oh, let's go check this out. And then they check it out and then they hear all this other, all these other musicians and and I guess, you know, that's how word spreads. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really fascinating that, that 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 it can travel like that just because of the internet where, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't on anybody's radar. We knew we wanted it to be more than just a music blog. Um, and we knew we wanted to have like kind of artist pages and everything. But we also thought, you know, one of the unique, th- unique things that's happening in terms of indigenous music and indigenous kind of creativity is that there's such an inseparability between like the social and the political context in which people are creating stuff and the work that they make. And we thought like having a podcast and it's like a fairly, you know, tightly woven sort of thematic podcast would be a really good opportunity to actually explore some of that. So whether that was about regional uh, places where certain artists are living and the kind of music that they're making or whether it's about a kind of thematic aspect or a genre that people are working in or whatever, both just kind of showcase the diversity, but also to just actually get a chance to talk to the artists in a little more depth. So not just here's the record and where to buy it, but like what are you know how are they living? Where are they at? where are they at? Kind of what do they think about their indigeneity and their music and uh, and all of that. And that's you know we did we did kind of a block of podcasts early on again when we had like a lot of resources to be able to produce that and that as a kind of a component of the site to me is something that not only for ones that we produce in-house but also in terms of trying to bring in some of the other work that's happening around indigenous radio i think that rpm could like really help grow into help supporting some of those other shows that are happening elsewhere and we've had lots of conversations with like local stations and um you know community radio programs and stuff that have some kind of an online presence but they don't necessarily reach have reach too far beyond where the community is because people don't know about it so i think that that's one thing that i'm hoping like rpm can do more of because that storytelling component goes so much alongside the music right and like i feel like you can't only just have the have the tunes you got to have the stories behind them too yeah i need my mouth we will not find life in their system of paper. We will find life when we pick up our sacred duties as caretakers and keepers of this earth. to read you the uh, mission statement and uh, explain to you a little bit about the origins of um, Idle No More so that everyone can understand fully and completely why they should back this um, this movement that is taking place right now in, uh, in a nation that you call When I own. think about, you know, three or four years from now, when my kid's in high school writing a paper about Idle No More, she'll be able to go back and hear from Chief Isidore Day, Pam Palmiter, people that were there at the the steps of the legislative assembly when they tried to break into the the house of commons they were there and we talked to them 2 hours after and we and we podcasted it and so they give us a political perspective um, a grounded 
and, and solid political perspective that comes from the meeting where they decided to to storm the, the buildings. You know, the podcast was recorded live in Ottawa during Chief Spence's hunger strike. And so making these... Um, making these archives and making these shows I'm always aware that people are going to find these things a month a year five years down the road and I think that's one of the real benefits of, of doing this type of work is that we are creating that that digital legacy and and it and it's not just a digital legacy it's also we're, we're looking at publishing books and, and comic books and doing a, a lot of different things with the company that will all come from the audio the, the audio that we're that we're creating and in terms of who's listening i you know i like to think that our our shows are being listened by our people you know but i don't know that to be true i, I think i think we have a lot of people that are, are listening we i mean when i look at our our subscriber base on indian and cowboy those that are paying for our service you know, we only have 60 paid subscribers to this point, which is which we're very grateful for. But I look at those names and there's a lot of non-native people there. And in fact, there are a lot of prominent Canadians that have, for whatever reason, found their way to the to the um, the website and, and are paying and supporting. And so I'm, I'm confused by it. I, I, I wish I had a better answer. I, I don't know who, who who's listening, but I know people are. And, and um, to be a small part of a, a a, a big sea of change that is that is upon us is a it's a it's an honor yeah i don't like, i think you know like i think there'll probably be new um new sources and new ways that we can consume consume them so um i actually just saw a saw a commercial for buick and they have um built in internet in their car now right so you know right now you can't you can't stream a station online in your car, right? But if every car in like, you know, five years has Wi-Fi on board, well, you could stream your, you can stream your show from anywhere. So now you get to hear your show, the show that you want in your car, in your car radio. And that's, you know, that's going to be something really new because right now, what, what do you get in your car, right? Before there was satellite, you got AM radio. So you got local AM radio, right? And then it changed. And then you got FM radio. And then you got AM stereo radio, right? And so, you know, so I think that that will be a different way for people to consume consume things is in their car radio, especially with, with Wi-Fi. Because then you can tune into anything, anywhere. And if it's on demand... You can listen at your leisure. If it's on, on podcast, again, you can li- listen at your leisure. And I think a lot, like a lot of people, consume consume radio in their vehicles. Like people do, you know, they do download podcasts and they listen to them when they walk or they run or they exercise. But if you're on a road trip and you can listen to whatever you want to on demand. How exciting is that? So we've tried to kind of stake a fairly contemporary part of that. So obviously sort of fairly forward looking in terms of the, just even the genres and stuff that we profile. Um, while trying to do some work about kind of contextualizing where within that continuum the contemporary music is coming from. Um, 
But I also re- recognize that, like, especially when you work on the internet, and the internet is like particularly like this. The internet is obsessed with something new, so we can put out, you know, a, po- a post about a new album or do a new album premiere, and it's two weeks later, and people are like, "Oh, yeah, that old thing from two weeks ago." So that kind of like drive to like everything only having to be new all the time is also kind of a challenge in terms of programming because part of what's interesting about what some of the artists are doing now is the fact that they're connected to what you know, of course, connected to the artists that have gone before. Um, and I actually feel like there's like a, maybe just a big opportunity that we don't do enough of for our site and elsewhere, which is to actually bring forward some of those stories or some of those recordings or whatever with, you know, compilation like native, native North America that for many of us, I mean, for us included too, it's the first time to hear some of these sounds that really only reached a small audience at the time they were recorded. And now we have the ability to like get that music out there. So why wouldn't we kind of reach back as well as reaching forward I think yeah but I'm not a dedicated podcast listener I'm very like uh I I default actually now to a lot of stuff on SoundCloud and I listen to because we have a fairly active SoundCloud account for RPM and we follow lots of really interesting stuff that way and I you know I listen to stuff kind of when I come across it but I'm not like a devout podcast listener the way that I know you know certain friends are who they really like download them every week for their workouts or for their transit or whatever it is and they're really like really dedicated i listen to lots all the time but i'm not i'm not kind of yeah i'm a disloyal podcast listener (laughs) what it is culturally um well it's interesting so our tagline is indigenous music culture so really culturally for us it's about creating that culture of celebrating indigenous music within that so our kind of culture is a community, maybe? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I would say that it's, it's, it's like the pulse of what's happening in Indian country in that way. We're trying to kind of keep, keep with the kind of rhythm of what's happening, especially with young artists and stuff. So spiritually, that's where we're at, yeah. yeah. Musically, oh, um... I mean, obviously, we want to be kind of a central place. So we want to, yeah, musically, we're trying to be a place of centrality, but also a place of total inclusiveness and variety. So, yeah, that's there's no bounds with it, which is what I love about the site. I think the biggest thing that we do, and this was kind of intentional, was to sort of just take for granted that um, Indigenous artists are doing really interesting work and then just setting up the kind of basics about what it is that they're doing and where they're from. So we sort of didn't try to position this thing as some kind of defense of the fact that native people are still around. And we don't do any of that kind of work of trying to like prove to anybody. It's just like, well, here's great music. Oh, and by the way, they're from six nations. And if you don't know anything about that, here's where they're from and here's how they relate to where they're from. And so we just take for granted that like we're here and doing awesome shit <laughs> and let's move on from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it, it is weird because that digital footprint is, is very different. Like I, I'm not in. I'm not. I'm not doing this to make high art. You know, I'm not precious about making this content. And I guess that's something I think about often. Is I don't want to make crap, but I'm, I don't want to be precious about this. We. It's too important. It's. It's an emergency. I. I feel like every day we're trying to trying to 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 you know fill the hole in the leaky canoe so to speak and we we have to keep building and and taking up space and making things and there's room for high art there is room for that but it's not what we do right now so uh i'm just gonna uh, we're gonna do i can do word association with you if you don't mind back and forth (laughs) 
So when I say voice, what comes to mind? Well, right now, because I'm so consumed with my radio state, the radio shows, voices like Rosanna Deerchild, voices the community. It's people who are, you know, being allowed to speak our stories. Yeah. When I say uh, airwaves, what comes to mind? CBC, NCI, APTN. Um, yeah, I like I. I'm so focused on Indigenous media that like that's what always pops into my head first off. When I say native beats, what comes to mind? Native beats, wow. That's like, that's music, it's drums, it's new radio, I think. I think people who have shows that have focused on that, so then I, you know, Wab Canoe, who did uh, did a a special called um, Live by the Drum, Janet Rogers, who did her her drumming show and and Voices of Resistance, yeah, it's it's specials, it's radio specials that have used either drum or beat in in their uh, programming title. Good, We hope you will make one of the many podcasts and webcasts mentioned here part of your regular listening. My name is Janet Rogers, producer of Indians on the Airwaves, made possible by CFUVFM and the CRFC Radio Meters Fund. Thanks for listening.